Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome everybody to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Racinos. Today, we just want to send a special shout out to our listeners. We have been going strong for about a year now and I just want to say thank you. We would not be here without you. I've had so many responses from the audience around how the Nurse Theater Network podcast has helped them on their leadership journey. And we just wanted to say thank you. So today's guest is going to be talking to us about a really hot topic. I was having a conversation with a couple nurse influencers and we were talking about like, how do we change nursing? How do we change this healthcare model reimbursement? How do we get nurses to um, think, you know, beyond the bedside? How do we get nurses to own their profession? We were talking about silos and nurses and all these really cool things. And, you know, the question was asked to me, where does it need to start? And I had an idea, but I knew I needed to take it to the expert. So today's guest, Tiffany Gibson, is a nursing professional development consultant, and she's the owner of the New Nurse Academy. Now, Tiffany, welcome to the Nursing Network Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so thrilled I get to talk to you. I was telling Tiffany when we were setting up this meeting that I've been like a fan of hers for a long time. I'm like totally like Instagram stalking. Um, And so I'm glad that we finally got to connect. We met through a DEI conference that we both keynoted at a couple of I think it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I don't remember now. So, I to, a month ago. yeah. So, tell us about your journey. How'd you become a nurse educator? How'd you go into consulting? You know, tell us about Tiffany. Yeah. So, I started my nursing journey with a BSN degree from a, a school in Philadelphia and uh, started working in my dream job on my dream unit at a children's hospital. And I was there for a long time. Um, and while I was on the unit, I realized that there were a lot of things that I felt like could be done better, but instead of complaining about it, I just felt like I'll just do it. And so I started to become charge nurse and was permanent charge on night shifts. And then I was a preceptor and then became um, a CPR instructor and then started chairing committees and going to meetings and really getting involved with the decision-making for the unit. Because to me, it's like, why complain about it? We've already identified the problem. What what can I do to make it better? Like if I'm going to work here and spend 36 plus hours here a week, what can I do to make my work environment better? So I wanted to be a part of the solution instead of just talking about the problem. So I began to grow while still being a staff nurse. Then I became a mom and <laughs> working night shifts. I became a single mom really early on in my motherhood and needed to find some way to be a mom and do that good, but then also be a a nurse and do that well. So I figured for me, it was best to go back to school to get another degree because with more education comes um, different opportunities. And with different opportunities, I can control my schedule and I can also get paid better. And so that's what I did. Went to school for uh, my master's and got my master's in, in nursing education. And in the meantime, I started working as a clinical instructor, which I loved. Loved working with the babies, the baby students, loved working with those who are coming into the profession and really enjoyed having that impact and that influence of getting them early on in their career so that they can have a great foundation to be an amazing nurse. Um, and, I, and I loved it. 
to nursing education as a formal thing, like actually being adjunct faculty became like my new jam. I still was working at the bedside. So I had one foot in the hospital setting, one foot in the academic setting. And that to me was the ideal role. And then a position came open for me um, to apply for an assistant nurse manager on my unit. And I didn't get it. After all that, um, after all the work that I put into the unit, um, all the, the, the projects that I did and the councils that I chaired, um, I applied for the role and my nurse manager said, I didn't, I saw your application, but I didn't think you were serious. So why would I apply? If you, if you didn't think I was serious, why would I apply? And the response is, well, you're a new mom and you're a single mom and we don't know if you're ready to handle this next step. And I'm like, no, but, but that's not for you to tell me what I can handle. So I was very, very much um, offended by that. But because I'm an internal applicant applying for this job, I, you know, I was granted an interview and I rocked the interview. And they said that they were surprised that I rocked the interview so well. So again, to me, it's like, well, have you been watching me the past couple of years? Like, have you not been paying attention to me at all? So I go to three rounds of interviewing because I interviewed so well and literally had the the chief executive officer come back to me to say, uh, we didn't think that you were really serious for this job. We're actually impressed. Okay, well, do I have the job? And they said, no, because we don't think you're groomed enough is what they said. I was not groomed enough. And that that got under my skin so bad. But then what happened afterwards is what really made me say, this is not the place for me to grow. Because now that you know that I'm serious about um, escalating my career and moving forward, no one came to coach me or mentor me. You literally said I wasn't groomed for this job, but then no one came back to groom me right? No one came back to show me the ropes. No one came back to um, help me navigate nursing executive roles because that that's corporate really. And there's a lot to maneuver and there's strategy and there's a lot you need to know about handling teams and managing people and the structure and things of that nature. No one did that. And so you, I'm putting myself out there basically saying I want to grow and no one is helping me grow. And so that's when I knew it was time to leave. And um, while I was still in school with my master's and my daughter was maybe two, a year and a half or so, I left my dream job or my dream unit to work full time as a clinical nurse educator in another facility where that manager, she groomed me. She mentored me. She sponsored me. She coached me. She consulted with me. She pulled me in every room, every meeting, every conversation when she went on vacation, I was her alternate. She um, asked my opinion and then validated me in meetings at the table. And I learned how to be a nurse leader. And I saw the behind the scenes of nursing and I understood what it meant to be a, a leader. And, and that meant a lot to me. And I do also want to make mention that both managers that I had at my previous job and my current job are African-American women. And I say that because it's significant in that my assumption for my manager at the Children's Hospital was that because she was a staff nurse like I was, and she got promoted to manager, and now she sees that I want to do the same thing, that she was going to turn around and help me get there. And it didn't happen. And so my disappointment was on a personal level because her and I had hung outside of work before. 
And I wasn't looking for nepotism and I wasn't looking for favoritism. I really was looking for someone to say, I see you and you qualify. Let me help you get to the table. And that didn't happen. And then I get to my new job and the doors are wide open. And this new manager, it's like, you are my little sister. And everywhere I go, you go. And I'm going to show you everything. And I'm going to blind copy you on some of these emails so you can really see what's happening behind the scenes. And I'm going to take you into all these meetings that really should be closed, but I want you there. And it was two completely different worlds. And so for me, as I continue to grow in nursing, I'm like, how can I be that resource to other nurses? And so I started New Nurse Academy, not thinking that I was going to create leaders. I started New Nurse Academy because every nurse has a second hustle. Every nurse has a side job. Every staff nurse has is working somewhere else, doing something else. And so I started off tutoring my students that I was adjunct faculty for. And because I was um, adjunct faculty, I needed to create an entity that was separate from my role at the university where I can charge the students for my time for tutoring. And so that's what New Nurse Academy started out as. And then as my students matriculated and graduated, they need help with NCLEX. And so my business started NCLEX Prep. And then they got jobs. And so I started coaching them through interviews. And then as my students grew, my business grew because they needed that resource and that that help along their journey. So we started up nursing tutoring, NCLEX prep, interview prep, and then now you're a new nurse and you need help. I created a, a coaching and a mentoring program called the Personal Preceptor Club. And now my babies, because this is three years later, have been nurses for two to three years. And now they want to do more. They want to be charged. They want to be preceptor. And I see myself in them. And I'm like, I know what I needed when I was in this position. Let me create that. And so leadership is what I talk about now. Emotional intelligence is what I talk about now. Psychosocial safety in nursing is what I talk about now. Equity and inclusion, things that are not taught in nursing school is what I talk about now. Because you don't realize what you don't know as a nurse until you start working as a nurse. And a lot of my clients uh, are like, well, I I didn't learn this in nursing school. And I'm like, you would never, because nursing school is trying to get you graduated to take the NCLEX to pass the NCLEX. Your learning as a nurse does not start until you have real live patients, more than one that you need to take care of. And you are the go-to. When you're a student, you have one to two um, patients and you're giving bed baths all day and maybe one med pass, right? Or you're doing simulation. And so you're working with mannequins and putting in Foley's and IVs and central line dressing changes on the mannequin. Now you have five humans (laughs) that have more than one chief complaint and diagnoses and a whole heap of meds and problems and visitors and other things and people that are incorporated into this mission. And you as the nurse is that central mainstay throughout this shift. And so how do you manage that? And that's how my business grew. So now I am certified as staff development, um, professional development in nursing, because to me, that's really where the learning happens. And so how can I continue to be that resource that I once was when I was at the bedside now that I'm in this leadership role? How can I continue to give nurses Um, what they need beyond the clinical skills so that they can be effective nurses. And it starts with leadership, leadership of self, and then leadership of your assignment 
and then leadership of the unit. And then it goes on from there. Oh my gosh. It's such a beautiful story. I love it. And I'm going to pick it apart just because I have like, I took little notes as you were writing. Oh my gosh. You had so much. Um, I just, I love the journey that you have. And I agree with you. I always tell my nursing students when you graduate, it's not the end. It's literally the beginning. It's like day one, you know how foundation, but you are day one learner now for the rest of your life. So totally agree with you on that. Now, take me back to the, the moment around the time that you didn't get the job. There's a lot of nurses I know that have, have listened and they're like, you know, I've applied and I'm, I can totally relate. Like I thought I had all the qualifications. I, you know, met whatever job description. They knew me. I've done a lot of volunteering on the unit. What are your thoughts around next steps for that person? Like, is that a red flag where it's like, okay, it's time to go. Is there something else that you should be evaluating? What conversation should you be in as a new nurse um, or an, an aspiring nurse leader? What are your thoughts around that? So one of the things in hindsight that I, I realized that I could have done better is when I applied for this role, I was um, I had just come back from maternity leave. So I was out of work for almost three months. And so out of sight, out of mind. And while I was on maternity leave, my coworkers let me know that this position was open. It was like, Tiff, you have to apply. We would love for you to be our assistant nurse manager. So as soon as I came back, I submitted the application. What I wish I would have done was had the conversation with my manager ahead of time to let her know that this was a goal of mine. My manager and I had never sat down and actually had conversations about my professional goals and growth. Now, granted, do we do annual assessments and performance evals? Yes, but they're very standardized and no one really goes back and looks at them to see if where you're benchmarking until it's time for your next annual review. At least in my hospital, we did it once a year because we had to, because we're magnet and it's part of you know what we needed to do to check off that it was done. But there really wasn't any intention behind my goals. And so I wish I would have told my nurse manager, I want to be a unit leader more than just the charge nurse and the preceptor. But also at the time, I don't think that that was my intention fully. Um, it wasn't until my coworkers mentioned that this role was open that I said to myself, huh, I'm going to try and I'm going to put myself out there. Even though I've been doing leadership-like things on the unit, I did not deliberately say, I want to be a leader. I want to grow. I need um, assistance in getting into this next level. I didn't put myself out there. Um, and I also should not have assumed that my nursing manager was just going to go ahead and do that for me, right? I should have taken responsibility and ownership of my growth and my leadership abilities um, and put myself out there and made it plain and made it clear and be visible that way. When I didn't get the job, that was, that hurt. It did. It hurt for a while. I took that very, very, very personally. Um, because I, and I felt resentment and I felt like all these things that I'm doing and you don't think that I'm ready to be in the formal position of leadership. And so what I started doing was cutting back, right? Because that was my way of retaliating. I stopped putting on CPR classes. I, I started calling out more. I wasn't going to meetings anymore. Um, I wasn't picking up overtime. I wasn't doing the bulletin board anymore. <laughs> like I didn't care because I was so upset. And to me, it was like, I'm going to show you 
how valuable I am to this unit by not doing all the extra things that I was doing for the unit. And I started to cut back because in my mind, you're going to see that things are different now. And you're going to see that things are different now because I'm not doing it. But they continued. (laughs) And and yes, things were different and things weren't the way I would have done it. But life still went on and the show still went on. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. Wait for me. <laughs> like, and so, I, so I took that really personal because I loved my job and I loved my unit so much and I didn't want to leave. I, I just knew I was going to retire there. You couldn't tell me. And I was in my early twenties at the time. I started working at that job um, as a tech in 06. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to be here forever. And it's one of those hospitals where once you're in, you're in, it's hard to get in. And I was hired as a student. And so I'm like, once you're in, you're in, it's hard to get in. And once you're once you leave, it's hard to come back. So I just knew that even if I got another job, I will always be per diem here. Like I would never not be an employee here. And then I didn't feel valued. And I felt like I wasn't being seen. And I felt like all my contributions were for naught. So me in my mindset was like, forget you. I'm out. Yeah. I think that's a huge lesson for both you, the person listening right now, and, you know, for who it is that you're overseeing or leading um, and who your leader is as well around, number one, make your intentions known. I think that's really important. I also think, you know, as a nurse executive, yes, I, we did have annual evaluations. um, And again, those were a lot of times more paper exercises, to be honest. Um, But I did sit down with 100% of my staff and not just my direct staff, but there's my, my directors, um, managers. I sat down with the managers as well. And I asked them, uh, where are your goals? What do you want to be in the next year? Where do you want to be in the next five years? And we created a plan using, uh, the grow method, um, Mm -hmm. to help them get where it was that they wanted to go. And so for those managers that within the next year, we're going to be promoted or wanted to be, you know, looking at additional, you know, additional responsibilities. We, we met monthly. We just sat down monthly and said, okay, what have you worked on? Where are you going? And we made sure that where they were at in their personal life matched with where they wanted to go in their professional life and that we were giving them opportunities, right? Like I, if, if I knew they wanted to be in some type of leadership capacity, I'd get them on committees that were regional or um, you know, just additional activities. But they, it had to start with them really being open and honest about where they wanted to be. And I had plenty that were like, I never am going to leave being a manager. I like it here. I don't want to be a director. It's too much work. I'm happy right where I'm at. Or I had some that were like, I don't even want to be a leader anymore. I'm done. I did this and I want to go back to doing something else. And that was okay. It was my role to get them through that. So you brought up some really great lessons around uh, making it be known. And then also as a leader, you know, an annual vow is just not enough. It really isn't enough. You really have to um, do more than that. You, you also brought up the term groom. So in your mind, what, what does grooming look like? So I took that word negatively, right? And so it so grooming can be prepared. Um, it can be coached, right? But I took it as you weren't polished enough. And so being and, and so the context around me saying that was when I went through the first rounds of interviews and my um, unit nurse manager came back to me and said that she was surprised that I even applied and she didn't think I was serious. She mentioned that there were other coworkers who thought that I was intimidating. 
she actually used the word bullying, right? That I was, I could, I can have a bullying attitude. And to say the word bullying in corporate or in business is like the scarlet letter. No one wants to be called a bully. And I challenged her because I said, why haven't I ever heard this feedback before? If, if people think that I'm intimidating as a charge nurse and that I can come off as being a bully, why wasn't I brought into the office before to talk about that, to nip it in the bud right then and there? Why has, is this the first time that I'm hearing about this? Where's the documentation? Who said it? Where was the email? Like, show me receipts. And she couldn't. And so it, to me, it was like, you're trying to tarnish my reputation or my name. And that was the, f- the first time I was like, mm, I don't think she really wants me to like grow. And then when I went to the second round of interviews, it was, we don't think you're groomed enough. And I immediately just took it as I am an outspoken, authentic young Black girl from the Bronx. And I don't hold my tongue. I don't. And while I am giving you honest, just-in-time feedback, I'm also giving you just-in-time, honest education. So here's what I observed and here's what went wrong, but here's how we could do it better, right? Um, And so, yes, do I not fit the mold of what a nurse executive should look like? Absolutely not. I have long braids to my butt. There's blonde pieces in there. You know, like I listen to Cardi B on my way to work. I listen to Cardi B on the unit. You know, like I'm very not typical in the box at all. And so for this particular prestigious hospital, everyone was cookie cutter. And I already told them I wasn't going to be cookie cutter. And so to me, I took them saying, you're not groomed enough as in you. We know you're not going to drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid and you don't fit our molds. And so we don't think it's going to work with us. And it wasn't. And so it wasn't that I couldn't do the job, it's that I wouldn't do the job the way you want me to do the job. And that's when I realized then that I was a professional troublemaker, that I was an agitator and I liked it. (laughs) I don't, I have a few kids that are like that too. I just have to say, I think they're professional. Yes. Like I, I purposely question everything with a curious mindset. Because I want to know, why do we do things this way? Don't tell me we do things this way because it's always been done this way. Why? Who said? For how long have we looked to see if there's anything different? Who told you? Like that, that is me with all the questions. And so, yes, I am a professional agitator. I like stirring the pot on purpose because I want people to think differently. And so now, like my company, New Nurse Academy, it's about new mindset, new thought new critical thinking, new leaders, new narratives, Um, not necessarily just new nurses as in new to the profession, but new nurses as in a new generation. Because why are we still, why are we still quoting Florence Nightingale? She was alive 200 years ago. Like, so there's no other person in nursing that we can quote. There are like, when was the last time we got a new nursing theorist? Why are we still bringing up Barbara Wadsworth and like Pat Brenner, which by the way, they have amazing theories and I reference them a lot, but it's 2021 now. When was the last time we talked about a young black nurse theorist? Where are they? And so to me, I said, well, it's going to be me. (laughs) I love it. Yes. I love it. Trailblaze all day, every day. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with you. And I do. I see some organizations that really are starting to embrace um, diversity. I'm not a traditional nurse executive either. I am tattooed from head to toe. I have a piercing through my nose. I grew up in foster care. I had a baby at 14 years old. 
And so I'm totally not a traditional nurse executive. And I did not grow up at the bedside. I, I did not work a day at med surge of my life. And I oversaw an acute care hospital. Um, but I was prepared to do that um, because of all of the other experiences that I had um, in terms of working in the ED, being an FNP, overseeing you know million dollar budgets and variety of different settings. And so um, I, I think there are organizations now that are looking for that level of diversity. The the different perspective that I brought in because I was not brought up through the acute care center and the way that I could see things um, differently and how we could apply different models to the the facility, I think was really appreciated. But it takes leadership, right? It takes leadership wanting to invest in um, that diversity and really takes leadership to understand what that diversity actually brings to the table. So a lot of the initiatives that I brought to the table would never have come to any of the organizations that I worked at had I not had the background that I had. Had I not been a living, breathing part of that under medically served community that needed that care. So I'm really sad for that organization that didn't hire you um, because, you know, their loss, that diversity, that um, perspective that you brought, they are not going to have. And um, I I know that it was like some type of divine intervention because I believe that when one door shuts, like 50 doors open and they're doors that you couldn't have, have ever imagined. And they're always better. Like for me, they're always better doors. Like I, I'm like, what the heck? I didn't even think about this and it's just better. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we talked about like grooming. What are some tips that you can give the listeners? If I have an aspiring or, uh, you know, a nurse out there that wants to be a nurse leader or even a nurse leader that's maybe relatively new to their role, where do you start? Like what, you know, I guess let's start with aspiring. Like what do you, what are some things that you can do to actually become and get that role of your dreams? So be visible and put yourself out there. That was something that I learned very early on um, in my career was, especially as a night nurse, I was a night shift nurse and um, I needed to get off nights because who else am I meeting and who knows my name? And how was I going to put myself out there to be chair of committees and things like that and be voted in if nobody knew me? So I had to be visible and I had to put myself out there. One of the things that um, I've come up with, and it's funny that you mentioned the growth method, because I knew nothing about the growth method, but I created my growth framework, right? And growth means something. Um, each It's an acronym for um, gap results, opportunities, wins, threats, um, timeline, and happen, right? And so the very, very first thing I say is, can you identify a gap and can you problem solve that gap? And it can be very simple on your unit. It could be like you have new hires that are that come in every month, right? Because orientation happens on a schedule, but no one on your unit knows who the new hires are or how many that there's going to be there. Maybe you can form a welcoming committee that kinds of alerts the, the unit that we're going to have three nurses this month. You put them on a bulletin board. You do like a picture and a, and a cute profile. And then when they come to the unit, you give them like a welcoming gift. Welcome to Five West. Here is your lifesaver candy. Here's a pen. Here is um, you a know, key to the bathroom. Yes, <laughs> right. A list of numbers and codes, right? And here, here's a snicker or something. I don't know, yeah. something new because it's the thought that counts. But now the unit is aware that there's three new hires. The new hires come in feeling welcomes and the preset can have like a meet and greet before they actually start their shift. 
I have heard so many stories of new hires say, I come to the unit and no one knows what to do with me. Or my preceptor didn't know that I was starting today. Or my locker wasn't ready and I had to put my bag underneath the table in the at the nurse's station. And that initial feeling and that initial introduction is now the foundation of what did I get myself into? Where am I going? And so even just starting with little things like that. So what is something that people are always talking about, complaining about, and can you make that better? Do you have a proposed solution for this? That's how you can position yourself to be a leader. Um, Just if it's cost saving to the unit, if it increases patient satisfaction and staff engagement, if it falls in one of those three buckets, then you're a winner. Um, but you have to first identify what is something that we're always talking about, right? What what happens all the time? Do we need to say that the food in the refrigerator gets thrown out every Thursday? Because And then we actually have to throw it out every Thursday because we're tired of coming into the lounge and it just smells rank in here because there's food that's been in here since forever. That sounds like the littlest thing, but once someone actually cleans the fridge and and makes the lounge feel better and welcoming, it's like, huh, it boosts morale. There you have with increased staff, um, staff engagement scores. And not to say that everything needs to be measured by a score. However, if it's not measurable, how can you improve it? Right. So there's got to be some strategy behind what you're doing. But for someone who's aspiring to be a leader, the first thing I would say is identify a gap, identify a problem, identify an issue. And then either you come up with a solution or galvanize people on the unit to come up with what they would want to see and see if you could do a pilot. Right. See if you could just start small, small acts of change. And if that works, how can we make this sustainable? I love that tip. It's awesome. And it is a great way to engage. And I would say, like once you have that momentum, start thinking outside of the unit. Mm-hmm. So what, right? Can you, what can you do outside of the unit? Whether that be in the facility, whether that be in the community, whether that be in other levels. Um, I work with a um, faculty member and he has his nurses, his nursing students um, write politicians on healthcare bills that are going to impact them where they're at. And so these students graduate, it's a leadership course. These students graduate and they have to have proof that they've either gone to sit down and talk to this politician or a lobby. Wow. Like, yeah. And so they come out of a BSN program with like the ability to understand, like, how do you actually enact like, at a, you know, at a um, community, local, state, you know, a national level. So don't stop at the unit. The unit is the perfect place to start because you can make uh, you learn how to like really motivate others and do things on that scale and then just keep going. Like, don't stop there. I love that. Yeah. Actually cool. yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. And I'm just like, if we all did that, right. Nurses is our most trusted profession. Could you imagine if there was a, a politicians like nothing, but a bunch of nurse politicians, like how improved yeah. our healthcare system would be here, how improved a lot yeah. of things would be right. Incarceration system, like it just so much our education system. Nurses need to run the world as, as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. <laughs> All right. So that's a great tip for aspiring leaders. And then what about a leader who maybe has been in, you know, they took the role, they've been in it, whatever, a couple of months or maybe a year. What is a tip that you have for that nurse in terms of really getting polished around their leadership skills? Yeah. So one of the things that I agitate all the time is that there is a difference between leadership and someone's ability to be a leader and the role that you have at the hospital. 
And so not all managers are leaders, not all directors are leaders, right? And not all admins are leaders. Those are titles that come with a scope of work um, that's rented. That's what I say, it's rented. Because if you leave that job for whatever reason, that title is now taken away from you, but does that take away your ability to lead? It doesn't. And so those are two completely separate things. And so what I want people who are in these leadership positions to understand is that, are you actually leading in these leadership positions or are you just doing the scope of work for that title? And in in leading, it means how are you being influential, inspiring and making impacts on your unit outside of hospital goals and strategic metrics that you need to follow, right? So outside of making sure that the budget is down and that you have FTEs and that your HCAP scores are what they are, like outside of hospital outcomes, how are you making impact, influencing, um, and, and being insightful for the team that you are leading? Do you know one personal thing about people who report to you? Do, do you know that their kid is going to college or that their parent just died or that they have a house at the shore that they go to every summer? Like, do you know something personal? And when you see them, which should be on a regular basis, are you bringing up that personal aspect of them and not just what's happening on the unit? When I see my boss, it shouldn't be that something happened or she needs something from me. That should not be the only time I'm interacting with leadership. My boss did a great thing where she retired, not retired. I want to say she resigned um, in April. So that makes me really sad because I miss her so much. I was on her schedule twice a month. We all were on her schedule twice a month for 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, we could do whatever. We can go to the cafeteria for lunch. We, her and I usually walked the hospital, like the grounds of the hospital, just to get outside, sit in her office and just vent or, you know, prime day is coming up. So we'll talk about like shopping or trips or whatever, anything outside of our roles. We just connected on just a human woman to woman level. And so what happens is now I have increased my trust in her and vice versa. Now she knows my wishes, my dreams. She knows my likes and my dislikes. She knows, you know, me. And when she needs me to do something that she knows that I don't want to do, uh, she knows I'm going to do it because I love her. And we have that connection. And that's the thing about leadership. where You're going to have to tell people to do things that they don't want to do. And I, and I understand that. She knows that there's a certain part of my role that I hate, but because it's her, I love it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Love it. And I do it with the smile and I do it to the best of my ability because I also want to make her look good, right? Being her direct support, I want to make her look good. Um, but that's because of how I feel about her. So those who are in leadership positions, you have to understand to not lead in fear and that to gain respect is more than just you having this title and these extra privileges. You really have to connect with your direct reports on such a personal level that they like you, they know you, they trust you, and they'll they'll walk the end of the earth for you because they 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 know that you are leading them in the right direction. Yeah, I love that. I with my faculty, I'm sorry, with my staff. So I used to have a new employee orientation where the chief nurse exec, I would come down and I would meet with all of the new hires, right? Regardless of if they were nurses or not. And I always had stop. I used to piss off my educator because she was the one that ran the new employee orientation. And I would come in and I would be like, all right, we're going to do fun facts. And she's like, oh, here we go again. Because she knew (laughs) I'm going to take like an hour of her time that she hadn't planned. And she knew. So she kind of already had built in the buffer, but you know, she would just be like, oh, here comes Christina. And um, I always had them share a fun fact with me. I was like, okay, I'm going to share my fun fact with you. 
And it was, you know, either that, you know, I could roller skate backwards or that I have, you know, 15 pets or something, you know, one of these fun facts that are sometimes not so fun, right? 15 pets might not be so fun. And then I had them share their fun fact. And then that was how I identified them with in the hospital. Like sometimes I couldn't remember names, but I knew that was the guy that knows how to make jambalaya. That was the girl that's a DJ. And that's the one that on the weekends, you know, does does whatever. So it, it was really kind of cool because then I could like stop and then have the conversation, like walk into the hospital. Hey, you know, how's mom doing or how's. And so that was, and I had, I did it with my staff all the time. And they were like, Chris, we have no more fun facts. And I was like, baloney. Cause I know the ones that say they have no fun facts are the funnest. Like that's a fact. So, you know, any, any um, activity that I did with my direct reports, like we always did fun facts and we just learned, I had one that was like a pickler. He could pickle whatever you wanted for him to pickle. Like that was his hobby was pickling. So, yeah. So we, and then we have one that did barbecue and I was like, okay, you guys, we're going to have to have a barbecue and you bring your pickles and you can bring the food. um, Cause it was just, you just learn so much that you would never know. Like I would never know these things. I had one that was like an avid stock investor and she was like, this is how you do it. And this is how you lose. So don't do this. Um, But it was really, it was fun. So I love that getting to know them. And I love your point about not leading from fear. So what, for the new listener that doesn't know what that means, what, what does that look like? Like how, if I'm a leader and I'm like, wait, I know I shouldn't lead from fear, but what does that look like? What, how can they identify it in themselves? Not putting consequences over people's head as a motivation for them to either do or not do something, right? So not saying, you know, we're going to have to write you up if you do this again, or using the the negative outcome of a behavior as the reason why they should do the behavior or, um, so one of the things that uh, that is around social media is a meme about PTO, right? Having your your time approved and PTOs prepare the others because regardless of what you say, I'm still taking my time out. Why are we making memes about this? Because nurses, unfortunately, have gotten it so bad where it's like my personal mental health and my time with family, my time with self is a backseat to staffing. And so while management um, is in charge of staffing and needing to make sure that ratios are as close and as accurate as possible, which is their responsibility, what happens is I now have to put my mental health and well-being and the fact that I just want to go out and, and do something and take time off, that is now a backseat to the hospital. And I don't like how that makes me feel. And so I'm going to call out. Right. And I'm going to take my PTO. People have left jobs because PTO was not approved. Like you're losing great nurses because they can't get an extra however many days to go on a trip. And so there are two different goals that, right? And it's why do we need to use this staffing or ratio um, as a consequence for me wanting to, I don't know, go to Disney World with my daughter? So what happens is you create resentful staff members and then they don't want to do extra for you because the consequence outweighs the benefits and that's leading in fear. And so now people are afraid of taking trips or they're afraid of putting in the time request because I already know it's not going to work. I already know that it's not going to happen. And you actually mess up your staffing more that way because now you have these last minute call outs instead of knowing on the schedule who's not going to be here and you can plan accordingly. So it actually backfires. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what leading in fear looks like with I'm the manager and what I say, go do as I say and not as I do, which is not a good way to lead. Um, and so now your direct reports are afraid or um, they're doing it out of fear. 
and your new hires, they don't know how to advocate themselves. And so they're going to do it because they feel it's obligated and or pressure to. And then your experienced nurses, they, they start to lose compassion and empathy. And so they do it because they don't want to lose their job, but they're talking bad about it the whole entire time. Right? And so either way, you, you, lose, you lose across the board. How would you motivate staff not using intimidation there? What's a good for a new leader that's like, okay, okay, so that's not the way to do it. What is the right way to do it? What would the right way look like? First, if you are authentic and transparent as to the rationale, I think that is what leads to more understanding. So if I understand why this isn't happening, then I can have more empathy or compassion towards it, or at least just have um, a better perspective on where you're coming from. If I'm just told to do something without a rationale behind it, then I have no, I'm not invested in it. Like, okay, you asked me to do it. I'll do it when I want to, because I don't understand the importance behind it. So authenticity and transparency as a leader is what's going to help your direct reports understand where you're coming from, right? And not to say that they're going to drink the Kool-Aid and not to say that as a leader, you drink the Kool-Aid. There's been plenty of times as an educator that I started off something with saying, you know, personally, this is how I feel, but as an organization, this is what needs to be done. And so we're doing this for the organization's sake. And this is why. Now I have more buy-in and you're still going to have people who grunt and groan, but they understand the why behind it. And so now they're on board. You'll get more stakeholders if you're authentic and transparent. If people understand that even as a nurse leader, this is how I feel about something, then they're more likely to trust me and like me because they know that I'm always going to tell the truth. Right. And, and, and now granted, you can't be open and transparent about everything, right? There's some things you <laughs> need to keep close to chest, but if they know that I'm going to tell them the real and they know like, yeah, you know, Tiff feels the same way we feel, but you know, as an organization, this is the direction we need to go into. They're more likely to change. They're more likely to do what it is that you ask. And they're going to do it from a sense of wanting to do it instead of having to do it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I feel like I could talk to you for the rest of my life. Like you just um, come up in my house or I'll come to yours and we would just talk and talk and talk and um, put all this wonderful information out into the universe. But our time has come to an end. Now, Tiffany, if folks want to find out more about you and the new, um, the new nurse Academy, where can they find you? Yeah. So I spend a lot of time showing off on and showing out and causing trouble on Instagram. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, usually, that's usually where I am agitating. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at New Nurse Academy. I'm also on Facebook by the same name, New Nurse Academy. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm very polished and groomed <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I have my business suit on in LinkedIn, but on Instagram, I'm showing my butt. So that's where you can find me. Also, my website is newnurse-academy.com. That's where you can see the services that I have out. I do have a, a nurse leader accelerator course for those who are at the bedside and or those who are new in leadership and they want to understand how to lead with emotional intelligence. Um, that's what that course is for. For my student and new to practice nurse, I have a mentorship group called the Personal Preceptor Club where um, we meet weekly live via Zoom. And we talk about all the behind the scenes of nursing that nursing school did not teach you. If I'm for my new educators and my new professional development specialists, I have what's called the practicum, which is a nurse educator 
coaching incubator where I show you um, and I give you all my tools and I give you everything that I have um, to start you off as a nurse educator. Because for those who are staff nurses and jump into staff development, that is a culture change. That's just a huge culture change. And even if you're getting your master's in nursing education and you're certified as a professional development specialist like I am, you still don't know what it's really like to go in and teach who was once your peers, right? That is a huge culture change and mindset shift to get people who you were working side by side with now have to sit in the class and you're in front of them and now you're teaching them. That's different. Um, And so those are my three courses and groups that I have, as well as um, one-to-one coaching VIP days for those who are really serious about activating their growth and really wanting to um, come out with a strategic plan. There's a full day VIP opportunity for you to work with me as well. And we were talking earlier and you said that you are looking at beginning some corporate partnerships as well. So what do those look like? Yes. So I, I work with healthcare corporations. And so either hospitals, schools of nursing, or any type of business that's in the healthcare fields, whether it is apparel or insurance or anything like that. And I help them with their equity, diversity, and inclusion and how what that looks like in the healthcare space. Um, right now, diversity and inclusion is a hot topic and it's a buzzword ever since 2020 and the events of 2020. But how do you actually make change in your hospital setting outside of the three F's, which is food, flags, and fun? Diversity and inclusion is more than food, flags, and fun. How are you actually implementing sustainable changes so that you are not performative in your action? You're actually um, making impactful change on an organizational level that trickles down. So that is some of the work that I do with consulting for um, some organizations to help make sure that they have the right people in place and the right charter in place and strategies to do equity and inclusion and not just diversity. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Um, It's a whole nother podcast, but um, I do some consulting work with them to education, training, putting their DEI council together and just setting them up for success. From performative to transformative. Yes. Yeah. Like that. Amazing tag. yeah. That is a good tagline. Your new, right. Your new uh, tagline. There you go. Great awesome. I love it. All right. Well, this, this has been a, a blast and I am going to have to get you back on here so we can talk some DEI because uh, you know, we need some of that <laughs> yeah. on your Sleeta network. Thank you so much for coming on. It was really fun. I'm so glad you, we were able to meet. Yes. I loved it. Thank you so much for the conversation. 